put that away. No. Good lord, man. There are children present. No, there isn't. Unless you're a child. Duh. <laughs> oh, uh, hi. Didn't see you there. Welcome to episode 83 of Musically Challenge, your weekly, your reeking, uh, weekly helping, heaping music, trivia, pretty much drinking episode show of stuff. Eureka! Exactly. Apparently, I forgot to change this because I said I'm your host, Chad Knight, which I am absolutely not Chad Knight. No, you don't look anything like that guy. He's sexy. And I know it. <laughs> no, I am your host, Lou Schwalbach, and alongside me is Chad Knight. Hey, that's me and... Me. You. Yes. Okay. So this episode, we're going to keep doing that series where we're talking about songs with one word in their common title. Although we're doing two words this time, and that's going to be yellow and green because... Just because. Because we can. Right. And there's not a goddamn thing they can do about it? Yeah. So spanning across all genres of music, colors make their way into the song titles pretty often, either dealing with feelings or the alignment of the singer they're singing about. Green can deal with feelings such as envy, and yellow can deal with, um... Piss. Jaundice? So, <laughs> yellow and green songs usually dealing with the color of the object, and today we're going to talk about some yellow and green. Don't worry, we're not going to do black and yellow from Lil Wayne, because I think it's Lil Wayne, isn't it? I fucking don't know. All right, no, because that song's terrible. But there is no genre spared. It'll be range of the artists. So pull out your colored pencils and your adult coloring book and relax while we get the show started. And yes, we did graduate from crayons. We are adults, after all. Since when? Since last episode. <laughs> Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why we're doing colored pencils this time. Oh! I know, right? Now we just have to have a sharpener, though. Yeah. Remember how much crayon we wasted sharpening those fuckers? <sighs> so much. I mean, seriously, a rounded crayon is not a bad thing, unless you're trying to do a corner or something. But really, we wasted so much. Because you had that fucking sharpener right in the back. I know, and that's for them to... This is so amazing! Because kids were stupid and would sharpen them, and then be like, hey, Mom, we need a new set of crayons. I remember growing up, we did not have a pencil sharpener in my house. Everything was done with jackknife. Okay. <laughs> you would sharpen your pencil with a jackknife. You'd sharpen your colored pens with Dad pencils. Worked, Dad worked at a school for a while, so we got a sharpener. In fact, we actually got one of those school sharpeners. Like things. the metal ones? That... Yeah. Fuck, those things were great. Oh, they, remember having to stay after school, and let, at least I did, where you had to clap erasers and empty all of the pencil sharpeners? No, because I didn't go to parochial school. Every school had to clap erasers in that, or did they just figure that was beneath you? No, I think uh, I think the teachers did that. Oh, see that they had... well, unless you got detention. But I was a good kid. I didn't ever got detention. I didn't get detention. I was just waiting for my ride, and I was there. So they asked me to do it, and I said fine. I was a good kid. Yeah, you were a brown noser, weren't you? I wasn't actually. I just stayed out of trouble. Yeah, that was me too. I wasn't really a brown noser. Wasn't really a teacher's pet, except third grade. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> she was hot, and that was my Spanish teacher in high school. Oh yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyes, huge boobs. My English teacher in high school, brunette, beautiful woman. 
Beautiful woman. My sophomore English teacher was a um, curly-haired redhead Ooh. with freckles. Nice. Yeah. What color eyes? Green. Oof. Yeah, perfect combo. But I think she was either a lesbian or a man-hater because of stuff. So. Yeah, but I mean, it was just spank-bank stuff, so it didn't really matter. Well, and okay, she always wore button-down shirts, and she would lean forward, and you know how sometimes the button-downs would fold, fold forward yeah, like yeah, one yeah. of these things? Yeah. I saw a lot of white bra. And as a sophomore in, in high, high school, school, I was just like, holy shit, that's awesome. That was spank bank material <laughs> yes, right there. Yes, it was. <laughs> so in any respect, let's go ahead and get liquored up. Okay. So what'd you bring us so this week? So this week we have, we're going to Colorado. We're going to the mountains. Weed beer? What? Weed beer? If only. <laughs> uh, this is Breckenridge Brewery. Fine Colorado ales is what it says. It says it's a vanilla, vanilla porter. Uh, roasted malts with notes of vanilla. Now I smelled this fucking thing. I don't smell any vanilla. I don't smell vanilla. I in must the have missed. Slightest. I must have missed the note because either that or it's a back end that we're gonna find. And that would be cool. It would be um, instead of being a back end of shitty malt, but we'll see. So All right, let's, let's give it a run. It. It's got a back end of vanilla. It does it absolutely? That's really good. The back end is really good. That front end is kind of shitty. Yeah, it's it's one it, that back end sticks with you too. I like the back end. Mm-hmm. It's that going, initial hit to your taste buds, though, yeah, is kind of going tastes, going kind of tastes like it smells, like kind of like farts, farts and feet. Yeah, like feet farts, feet farts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not pleasant going down, but when it lingers with you, it's a good linger. Yeah, so, I like the back end. Yeah. So what do you say? I'm gonna go with a bar. As will I, because this one is pleasantly surprising. I I was praying for a good back end because the front end did not do it for me and. Pleasant surprise. No, unfortunately, the front end smell or tastes like it smells. Right, and that's the unfortunate part about some beers. Yeah. All right, so a little trivia. Yeah. Are absolutely. you ready? Sure. You're you're on the upslope right now. You're over 500. Beautiful. Let's see if you go to 75 percent or you go to 50. We'll find out. All right. So here's the question. You gonna stick with the bands of the episode again? Correct. Yep. All right. What band has sold millions of records but never had a number one hit? They did score five number two hits on the Hot 100, most of any act without a number one. Hmm. And it's one of these that one of us did. Yes. So, I will read that one more time for the people out there listening and for you, Lou. Mm -hmm. What band has sold millions of records but never had a number one hit? They did score five number two hits on the Hot 100, most of any act without a number one. And we will talk about that at the end of the show. All right. I'm, I'm torn between two of them right now. Okay. So, all right. So I read, so you start. I will kick this off. And I will kick this off with what I think is probably a very good song. Yellow Brick Road by, or Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. Wow, you're starting off strong. Hey, if I'm going to fuck up, I'm going to fuck up the whole episode <laughs> and with gusto. All right. Because as Vince Lombardi said, if you don't... Or if you're not fired up with enthusiasm, you will be fired with enthusiasm. Honestly, I think being fired by Vince Lombardi would have been, like, the highlight of my career. <laughs> I wouldn't have been a great athlete, but I'd be like, hey, I got fired by Vince. So, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is a ballad performed by musician Elton John. Lyrics for the song were written by Bernie Taupin, and the music composed by John for his album Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It's the musical style and production were heavily influenced by 1970s soft rock. It was widely praised by critics, and some critics have named it John's best song. The Yellow Brick Road is an image taken from the 1939 film adaptation of Lyman Frank Baum's The Wizard of Oz. 
In that film, Dorothy and her three misfit friends are instructed to follow the Yellow Brick Road in search of the Wizard of Oz, only to find that they had what they were looking for all along. Aww. I know, isn't it sweet? But terrifying in the it, same time. In, in certain parts, yeah. The road leads to the Emerald City in the Land of Oz, often referred to as a metaphor for the road that leads to a life's fantasies or the road that leads to life's answers. The lyrics describe wanting to go back to a simpler existence after living what the narrator thought was the good life, but realizing he had simply been treated like a pet. Let's follow that yellow brick road. So they thought they were Dorothy and they are actually Toto? Something like that, yeah. Okay. So I've always liked this song. It tells a story of wanting to get back to a simpler time. I often think back to times before cell phones, jobs, smart TVs, and computers. And what, what I'd be doing now if those va- advancements had not come to the world. Coloring. <laughs> I think sometimes that the simpler life may have been the better life. Much like this song espouses, and I happen to think I agree with. Great song, classic Elton John, and I think it's just a really neat song. The song of spouses, huh? Are we? Are we? Are, do we have a word of the day calendar? I no, but I did go to the uh, to that book with the words in it. Playboy. That's the one. <laughs> and they were talking about what happens when you cheat with a hooker and something about your spouse going away. Well, I don't that's know. Penthouse. But it was a positive article. <laughs> I don't know. I got so many porn magazines stacked up in the corner. How am I supposed to keep them straight? My house is a fire hazard, but I've got great porn. There you go. <laughs> now, Elton John, Goodbye Yellowbrook Road, it was obviously inspired by the film Wizard of Oz, and this is one of Sir Elton's best-known works. And while it is a bit of a slower song, it's not one that you can ever really turn off when it comes on. It is that good. I agree. Great song. It was an excellent choice. Excellent. If you hadn't done that, I probably would have. All right, so what are you going to start us off with? I started with yellow. And I'm going to start off with green. Okay. And it is not going to be a great green song, actually. No? No, it's, in fact, probably the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, then I know which one you're talking about. And but that do is it. Green, the Green Jello theme song by Green Jello. Or Green Jelly. Actually, it is, the Y has umlauts over it. And it's, so pronounced, it's pronounced as an, as an o. o. So, that... so self-build on an episode of The Gong Show as the world's worst band. This track served as their theme song and was included on the cereal, spelled like breakfast cereal, killer soundtrack. Which I own. As do I. <laughs> I've got the video, actually. Do you? Which is, like, rare. Yeah, yeah. Like, money worth rare. Released in 1993. The band originally went as Green Jello, J-E-L-L-O, but due to craft getting pissy, they swapped the spelling of to Jelly, J-E-L-L-Y, with the Y having an umlaut, which is still pronounced as an O, so they can still call them Green Jello. Right. Just because you mispronounce a word doesn't mean it's spelt wrong. Right. I mean, it's kind of clever if you think about it. Um, in any case, the song is really all over the place with one repeating theme. Green Jello sucks. Yeah. You have one... You have to give someone credit on being that disparaging, self-disparaging and still selling a ton of records. I got into Green Jello when I was in high school from a friend, and... I did buy the follow-up album, which was titled 333, Only Half as Evil, which apparently they only sold 200,000 copies. Like, they only printed 200,000. Oh, really? So it's, like, almost impossible to yeah, find Yeah, I out. do not own that album. The reason I got the second one was because of the song Carnage Rules, which is about Carnage from the, the Spider-Man villain. Right. And it was included on the 
video game console game Maximum Carnage that was digitized for it. And again, it was a good thing because they only made 200,000 copies of that CD. And they've got a couple other ones that are out there, and they're heavily influenced by Guar. They wear costumes, their songs are goofy. But let's go ahead and take a quick listen to Green, the Green Jello theme song. I don't know why I like this band so much. I mean, they're not great. They really are not. They're an entertaining piece of history. They are... Uh, what's they're a novelty. They're, that's the word I was looking for, novelty. And it's, and it's a good novelty. In fact, if you listen to some of 333, they've actually got a couple slower songs that are almost thinkers. And if you've ever seen Dumb and Dumber, which I'm sure most people have yeah, because yeah. the movie's hilarious, if you remember the bear song that played during the hot pepper scene, yeah, that was a green jello song. Okay. So... What do you think? Well, Green Jello is something special. They really are. They are something, that's for it's sure. It's novelty and it's fucking heavy, and I like a lot of their stuff. This particular song is a lot of fun. They spend a whole song saying how much they suck and can't figure out why the hell you'd want to listen to that shit. That said, I listen to Green Jelly, Jello, Jelly, Jello, whatever, and I enjoy it. Now you go listen to Green Jello and enjoy it, and you're welcome. Don't don't base all the music on the videos because the videos are, are not even arguably, but they are pretty terrible. Yeah, and I mean they are they're 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 a band like uh, Here Come the Mummies. Have you heard of them? Yes. Uh, they, so they're kind of like that where they have a rotating cast. They got what is it like? I think like over two hundred different people that have been in there. Correct. And um, they're just like Bang Camaro is another one that actually is another hard rock band that has a huge rotating cast. Right. Um, listen to Three Little Pigs. It's a great song, and I'm sorry, The Misadventures of Shitman yes. is awesome. And I th- and then just... Um, Serial Killer, Serial the Killer. song Serial Killer is the amazing. Toucan Son of Sam. Yes. <laughs> and they just talk about basically eating a lot of fucking breakfast cereal. Well, the, my favorite line in that whole song was, Rice Krispies wouldn't talk to him, so he got really pissed. <laughs> So no, you would you would do yourself a disservice to avoid them because of their album art and everything else. Give it a listen. You may hate it, but at least you'd have tried it. Yeah, I agree. So that is my first one. What is your next one? And what color I are we am, going with? I'm going with green. Okay. But I am going to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, I think I know where you're going. I'm going with Being Green by Kermit the Frog. Being Green, also known as It's Not Easy Being Green. Is a popular song written by Joe Rapaso, originally performed by Jim Henson as Kermit the Frog on both Sesame Street and The Muppets Show. It was later covered by Frank Sinatra and other performers. In The Muppets version, Kermit begins by lamenting his green coloration, expressing that green blends in with so many ordinary things, and wishing to be some other color. But by the end of the song, Kermit recalls positive associations with the color green, and concludes by accepting and embracing his greenness. Let's go ahead and take a listen. It's not easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves Childhood nostalgia. There isn't much to say about this. I love the Muppets and I love Kermit the Frog. I miss this kind of family-friendly, easy-to-digest kind of TV. Thank you, Mr. Henson, for all those memories. 
What about you, Lil? Oh, The Muppet Show was great. I'm sorry, but that was a show that it had enough family humor and adult humor that everybody could watch and get something different from it. Correct. It's kind of like Pixar movies. They do that a lot where they do shout-outs to adults, and then the kids are like, ha, 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 and the adults are like, oh, my God, that's hilarious, but I can't laugh. <laughs> exactly, right, but then the kids don't know why it's funny. And, you know, that, and honestly, Sesame Street was for kids, but there's a lot of bad juju that happened in the, in the 60s with Sesame Street. Well, you know, Sesame Street, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, they were all aimed at kids, but they all had something for adults. Yep. I enjoy, And that that's another movie I look forward to, is that Mr. Rogers one? It's out, actually. It is. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be on DVD pretty soon or video I would hope soon. so. I don't know if I'd want to pay full money for that one, not like the not like the Queen one. But, right. But, um, and that being said, totally on the movie topic for just a second, Christopher Robin. I want to see that so bad. We're going to on Sunday. We really? Got, we got tickets on Sunday for it, like whole theater to ourselves type thing, and it's got Ewan McGregor in it, and he's a man crush. I'll be, I'll, I'll say that. Okay, fair enough. And it had, it almost has nothing to do with the whole Obi Wan thing, but whatever. I digress. Right. So getting back with being green, I knew the song was old, but damn, Kermit sung it on the Muppet Show way back in '76 before either one of us. Well, I was born in 76, so depending on when he sang it... Yeah, you might have either been gestating or a twinkle. Yeah. So, and it became a sensation telling folks that just because you may blend in with many things, you're all special in your own sort of way and to embrace your own colors. It's pretty heavy and deep stuff for a kid's show. Yep. But it's got a great message that it stands the test of time. It really does. So, another good choice. All right. What do you got next? Next, we're going to go with Big Yellow Taxis. we got the yellow song, and this one is done by Counting Crows. Now, the song was originally written and recorded by Joni Mitchell in 1970 and covered by many artists, including Bob Dylan, Vanessa Carlton, and Amy Grant. I toured with doing the, the Amy Grant version because I think she's got a great voice, but in the end, I gave it to Counting Crows. Each artist who did it changed the lyrics just a little bit but didn't really change the impact of the song. And Adam Duritz and the crew included their take on Big Yellow Taxi on their album, their 2002 album, Hard Candy. The song's an environmental swing to the song. The song's environmental, and about the song, Mitchell told a journalist that she wrote it during a trip to Hawaii. She took a taxi to the hotel, and when pulling back the curtains to her room, she saw a lush forest in the distance, but upon looking down, she saw parking lots as far as the eye could see. It broke my heart, this blight on paradise, so she wrote the song. Okay, let's go ahead and get into our Big Yellow Taxi and take a ride. And charge the people a dollar and a half to see them No, 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 don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking lie I'm going to toot my own horn. I think that was one of the best segues I've ever had. It may be. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't read into the song. I just know that I enjoyed it. I like the whimsy of it and the vocals. I mean, it's just, it's a fun song if you don't really read into it. Yeah. And that's what I have to say about that one. So, it's a great song. There was a version of it, not the Crows, but in Clerks 2. This is just a song about the world moving on. About a lot of things that have been lost as the world becomes more and more of a small world. They say the disappearance of things we need, like bees and such, through us doing it by creating things that kill things we dislike. You use big words and then you come up with a sentence that's barely grammatically correct. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we need to save the world from ourselves, or she will save herself from us. That is one belief I have always had, that if we do too much damage to this planet, she's going to shrug her shoulders and we're gone. 
So kind of a Armageddon type thing, but like it's basically rebooting. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the Earth, if we get to the point where we've done too much damage to her, she'll take care of it. I mean, the planet's been around for millions of years, and I'm sure this kind of crap. I mean, not obviously like ozone and all the other stuff, but there's been plenty of changes throughout the years that everything is recovered from. So if, regardless if you're creationist or whatever the case is, you can't deny the fact that everything recovers. Yeah. Because, I mean, remember back in the 80s and 90s when everybody went off the fucking deep end about the ozone hole and everything else, and then like 10 years later, the scientists are like, oh shit, look, it's repairing itself. Yeah. You know, I mean... We don't have an ozone layer hole right now. No, but in five years, we may have it again. You know, like fucking La Nina or El Nino or whatever. We get it. It floods places. People die. And it goes back to normal. Yeah. It just... It happens. You're exactly right. I mean, it's a belief that, again, creationists may or may not believe in because of the whole high and mighty thing or the almighty thing. Okay. Choice of words, sorry. But at the same time, I mean, it would be... It would be imprudent to think of that it doesn't repair itself. Because honestly, if all the things that we've done don't somehow repair, I mean, hell, that's why forest fires, I mean, are good. Yeah. They burn a lot of property, but at the same time, it's a rebirth. And that, on the deep end here, let's uh, go to something a little lighter. Yeah, well, again, I'm going to do a yellow song, but we are going way the other way. So, Don't Eat the Yellow Snow by Frank Zappa. A good piece of advice. Don't Eat the Yellow Snow is a suite made up of the first four tracks of Frank Zappa's album, Apostrophe. Don't Eat the Yellow Snow, Nanook Rubs It, St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast, and Father Oblivion. Oh, motherfucker, now I want pancakes. <laughs> Each song in the suite is loosely connected, although the songs are not all connected by one overall story or theme. The suite was only played in full from 1973 to 74 and from 78 to 80. St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast contains Zappa's percussionist Ruth Underwood on marumba who added a very distinct sound to many of his songs in the early 1970s. But let's get back to Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. It's a song about a man who dreams that he was an Eskimo named Nanook. We all know Nanook of the North, so... His mother warns him, watch out where the huskies go and don't you eat that yellow snow. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Man's the glow, and she said, with a tear in her eye. Watch out where the huskies go, don't you eat that yellow snow. Doesn't it even, it waits until the very damn end of the song to even say that. Yeah, it does. And it's only like, what, a minute long? Yeah, it's a short, yeah. So this is a weird yet funny song. It's simply an Eskimo mother telling her son, telling her son, Nanook, not to eat the pissed snow from the huskies. It's not good for you. It's a funny Zappa song. Like I said, not much to say. Never really got into Zappa. Just found this song and laughed my ass off. I really did. You know, and I know of Zappa as well. I never really listened to much of his work. I know it's off the wall, zany, and sometimes offensive, but it really didn't jump out at me. I've heard the phrase before, and the song is entertaining, albeit incredibly short. I suppose he had to talk about don't eating the don't eat the yellow snow because there weren't any flagpoles to stick their tongue on. Well, I suppose. But I love the second song in the suite called Nanook Rubs It. I can only imagine. What I'm sure song. it's not it. I'm sure it's not masturbation, or maybe it is. But I didn't listen to it, but I'm just like, that could go to so many places. That it could, and that's like that whole ZZ Top thing. It's, you know, the whole... Pearl they, necklace? They, well, they put their songs about, you know, songs about sex, and once Tipper Gore looked and saw Zappa, she's like, fuck it, I'm done with Z. Yeah. <laughs> so they get away with things. True. So, all right, so what do you got next, man? What all color right. are we going with? We're going with green. We're going a little green on this time, and we're going to go with Green River by CCR. 
Okay. Or Creedence Clearwater Revival, if you want to be specific about it. I think we're going to go with CCR. It's a okay. whole lot faster and easier. There you go. Um, and actually, they are now going by Creedence Clearwater Revisited. Right, and that's so, a whole legal thing. Right. So this song is jo- is a John Fogerty written tune released in 1969 on an album of the same name. The album features two of their greatest hits, Bad Moon Rising and Green River, that both went to number two in the U.S. charts, and per Fogerty many times in interviews, the album and song are his favorites of the Credence era. The song, again per the writer, was semi-autobiographical and is about a place that John and his family used to go when he was younger. The family would stay at a cabin owned by a descendant of Buffalo Bill Cody, and have a lot of pleasant memories formed. The name of the place wasn't Green River, though, and that came from his favorite drink at the soda fountain that was a green lime-flavored syrup being poured over ice and mixed with soda water. Let's go ahead and take a listen to and not drink of Green River. So, I really enjoy this CCR song. The Bayou Southern Rock sound mixed with Fogarty's reverb and echo just works for me. It's a perfect foot-tapping song. The derpy, well, could have been cut, but other than that, it's a good, it's a great song. It's an excellent CCR song. Yeah, I was happy to see this song on the list. I really enjoy a lot of the CCR catalog. Mm-hmm. You know, this song is no exception. Give me more CCR and some more Southern Rock and... I could be happy for a long, long time. There's just something about this type of music that makes me happy. This song, I don't know, it's one of those songs I never knew the name of. I've heard it a million times and never really knew that it was called Green River. But I really enjoy it. So, yeah, that's about all I have to say about it, though. All right, so what do you got for your next one? My next one, I'm going to go green as well. Well, I'm going to go with Green-Eyed Lady by Sugarloaf. It's a popular single by the rock band. Written by band member Jerry Corbetta, along with J.C. Phillips and Daniel Reardon. The song was featured on the band's debut album, Sugarloaf, and was the band's first single. It peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1970 and was RPM Magazine's number one single for two weeks. It remains the band's most popular song according to the Last.fm rankings. It has been featured on dozens of compilation albums, Who Is This Green-Eyed Lady?, Well, according to lead singer Jerry Corbetta, it was his girlfriend at the time, Kathy, who his bandmates referred to as the Green-Eyed Lady. He wrote the song with producer J.C. Phillips and a songwriter named David Reardon. In the single version, which is all you'll hear on the radio and also in most compilation albums, the song length is about three and a half minutes. The album version is extended to seven minutes for Corbetta's lengthy but dazzling organ solo. Organ solo. (laughs) About his lady. Yeah. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Good to it. for him. Yeah. really nice brassy jive opening i like it the song itself is okay it's not my favorite song of well any time but it's not bad either i like the way it's about a green-eyed lady i mean after all true green eyes only make up about two percent of the world's population 
So, red hair and green eyes is an amazing combination. And I kind of wonder if Kathy had red hair. Because that would have been awesome. What are your thoughts on this one? You know, this is one of those songs that I liked, but I wasn't positive of the artist. But again, one of those I heard it and I'm like, oh shit, I know this song. Right. It's it's a classic 70s tune. I enjoy it. I'm not sure if I like all of their stuff, but this is just a great song. Okay. Fair enough. What do you got next? All right. And just making a quick note here. Next one I have is Mellow Yellow by Donovan. So this song is a single off of Donovan's 1967 album of the same name. Per Donovan, the song was really just about being a chill dude and being a guy that can calm you down. Like, relax, man. Like, be mellow. And yellow. Maybe. And also, per the artist, he and Lennon would look back, and that's Lennon as in John Lennon. Okay. Would look back at, or look at the backs of newspapers and pull out, finger quote, funny things and put them into songs. That's where Electric Banana comes in. They saw an ad for Lady Vibrators and... That became electric vibrators. You mean electrical bananas. You mean massagers. Well, now they are, yeah. Yeah. I bet you won't hear the song the same way now. Let's go ahead and take a quick listen. And I think I might even put that that clip in there with electrical bananas. That would be nice. And no, it's not about smoking banana skins to get high. It's a lady buzzer. Awesome. Okay. So what do you think? So I was a little upset that you got this one before me. But then I realized it doesn't really matter because it's still on the list. If this isn't sung by a group of intoxicated motherfuckers, then no song ever recorded has been recorded while high. Don't get me wrong, I love the song. But you are not that laid back ever if you're not high. I mean, come on, that song... There are points in that song where they almost mumble their words because I think they're so doped out. That could very well be. It's just the way it strikes me. I love the song. Don't get me wrong. But it just kind of strikes me as, you know, just a bunch of high motherfuckers playing music. Probably. I mean, Lennon was involved in there. And I mean, Lennon was probably the dopiest of all of them. (laughs) I like what you did there. (laughs) But And then I just remember this, too. In the, I want to say either late 80s or early 90s, Mellow Yellow, when it first came out, used this as yes, one of their did. theme songs. Yes, they did. And then they had the Mellow Yellow NASCAR, which, yep. if if memory serves, and I could be wrong on this one, wasn't that what was driven in Days of Thunder by... Um, by they, Tom Cruise. Well, later it was Tom Cruise, but before it was Rod, uh, Rowdy Burns, yep. uh, Michael Rooker's character, Correct. and then went on as his memory or whatever because of brain problems. Right. But it was the mellow yellow car. In fact, that's the most NASCAR really paid attention to, except for Dale, maybe, back in the day. Yeah, I would agree. So. All right, you want to hear my last one? I'm guessing it's another yellow one. Because it, it is another yellow one, and it ties into the last thing we just talked about. All right. So, Yellow Submarine by the Beatles. It's a 1966 song written by Paul McCartney and John Lennon with lead vocals by Ringo Starr. It was included on the Revolver album and issued as a single, coupled with Eleanor Rigby. The single went to number one on every major British chart, remained at number one for four weeks, and charted for 13 weeks. It won an Ivor Novello Award for the highest certified sales of any single issued in the UK in 1966. Wow. In the US, the song peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and became the most successful Beatles song to feature Starr as lead vocalist. It became the title song of the animated United Artists film, also called Yellow Submarine from 1968, and the soundtrack album to the film. Released as part of the Beatles' music catalog. 
An orchestral reprise of the song arranged by George Martin titled Yellow Submarine in Pepperland is featured at the end of the film and its soundtrack. Although intended as a nonsense song for children, Yellow Submarines received various social and political interpretations at the time. And I'm going to leave it at that, but let's go ahead and take a listen. We all live in a yellow submarine, yellow submarine, yellow submarine, and our friends are all aboard. So I really do like this song. It's just innocent fun, and Ringo on vocals is special in this one. Now, Ringo doesn't have a voice Not in that's... a special kind of way, but like... No, it's, it, it's something special. He's, he doesn't have one of those voices that's amazing or anything like that, but there's something special about it in this one. There is something about this song and the accompanying movie. With songs like this and Octopus's Garden, I love the whole concept of the album and movie. Is it the greatest cartoon work ever? No. Is it fun? Yes. Should you be really high when you watch it? I would recommend it, <laughs> but you don't have to be. It just would help, I would think. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, this song, Per Paul, was meant as a kid's song where all the friends are chilling with the band, and he wrote it with short words in the lyrics so kids could pick up and sing along. Mission accomplished, man. It's a clever, silly song that is fun for kids and adults alike. I would agree. So what do you got for you to, to wrap this one up? My last one's a green one, and that is going to be Green Grass and High Tides by The Outlaws. I'll tell you, I'm shocked this is the last one. I would have thought Mellow Yellow. Okay. But go on. So this track was a single released on The Outlaws' debut album, 1975's Outlaws. So apparently they just took the the off of it. Good for them. <laughs> so the song's title makes it seem like it's about weed, and that was debunked by outlaw Hulp, uh, Henry Paul, who told Song Facts, it has to do with, I think, a specific person's lyrical look at rock and roll legends. That's, Wait, he thinks? I guess. That specific person was songwriter was songwriter and Outlaw's founding member, Huey Thomason, who passed away, who had said, I was standing by the ocean and there was a breeze and the words kept coming to me. It's all about rock stars I liked that died and had come back to me and were playing a show just for me. Like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison. How fucking high was he? I don't know. And eventually more uh, uh, more come. I never really went and listened to the lyrics before, but honestly, I can read that and I can see it. I can understand that. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick listen to Greengrass and High Tides. Now, the song is a classic southern rock song put out by a band that clearly takes its southern influence from Leonard Skinner and the Allman, band, and Allman Brothers, and has kind of a folk styling of the birds, if you really think about that. Oh, I can see that, yeah. Um, and they really kind of make it their own. It's not my favorite Outlaws song, which would go to Ghost Riders in the Sky, that cover of the Stan Jones song, but I love this song. Um, it's just a fun song. It gets you going. It kind of keeps you moving, and just it, you can groove to it. Yeah. So I love the intro, intro, even though I'd never heard this song before. The upbeat guitars and the drums are fun. The song is actually very good. It's long at almost 10 minutes. 30 second clip, yay! Woo! I really enjoy it, and we'll see if more of the Outlaws music is as good. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of the Outlaws, per se, 
But I would like to go check out and see if they got more stuff that's like this. Because I really enjoyed this. So, shall we jump into trivia and trivia? see if I go to be 2-1 and one or if I go to be... 50%. 500. 2-2. So, what band has sold millions of records but never had a number one hit? They did score five number two hits on the Hot 100, most of any act without a number one. I'm going to say CCR. You are correct. And I think part of it gave way when I mentioned both Bad Moon Rising and Green River went to number two on the chart. Okay. So that was kind of where I talked myself into it. Because it was, it, was <laughs> it was either going to be them or Counting Crows. But I'm like, ah, Counting Crows made it to top, I think. They did. So, hey, I'm what, three and one now? You're three and one. What? What? What the f- I gotta find harder questions. <laughs> well, you kind of burned me with that first one, so I gotta make up for that. <laughs> okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. Alright, so thank you guys for listening, and as always, if you like this episode or any of our other episodes, you can reach out to us and let us know. There's a couple easy ways to do that. First, you can drop us a line on email at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. And if you're more into the social media thing, you can find us on Facebook at musically challenged podcast otherwise we have our third and final way which is is twitter and you can actually talk to us via twitter posts um add us some love add us, add us some hate send us a playlist of 10 different songs by 10 different artists if you have a theme great if not that's cool too just make sure you have the music in case we ask for it and we'll be more than happy to make you famous we do that by mentioning your name we talk about the songs you pick and you know we might even enjoy the music you send us at least, I guess I'm speaking for myself here. I really enjoy doing those listener request ones. What about you, Luke? Absolutely. I mean, there's been a couple bad songs that both of us were kind of cringing at. But overall, it's been mostly positive. Yeah, I would agree. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.